High Santa Ana winds in recent days have blown through San Diego County, threatening to spark a series of wildfires. The heightened risk of fire led the San Diego Gas and Electric to shut off power to as many as 73,000 customers Wednesday night and Thursday. Joining us with the latest on the power shutoffs is Rob Nicoleski, energy reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune. Rob, it's great to have you with us. Uh, can you just give us a quick update on where we are right now? Yes, well, the news has been fairly good today uh, here on Friday. Uh, as you mentioned, there were about 73,000 customers on Wednesday night, Thursday that did not have power. That number has now been down to just over 22,000 as we speak now this Friday afternoon. So what San Diego Gas and Electric has been doing is their crews have been going out and inspecting lines. They can basically only, and it makes sense, they can really only ins inspect those lines to make sure they're not damaged during the daytime. So okay. they were able to get some work done yesterday and at dawn this morning, the crews were out and they've been able to restore power to about 22,000 people. But this is not <laughs> We're, no, we're not quite. We think yeah, actually, can you turn your volume down a little bit? I'm getting some feedback. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we think the Santa Anas might be coming back, and we might have more power shutoffs coming coming through soon, right? Yeah, we're not out of the woods yet because the National Weather Service uh, said that even though the winds are tapering off today and are going to taper off even more tomorrow, Saturday. They expect that might, we might have another, in their words, a quote, strong potential that we could have some more Santa Ana winds coming in on Monday or Tuesday, and maybe even lasting until Wednesday or Thursday. So we're not out of the woods yet. Okay. Can you describe where they are exactly? This is the unincorporated areas mostly? It's mostly the backcountry areas and the mountainous areas uh, who are without power. But this, what was unusual about this, and we've had these public power safety or public safety power shutoffs before, and usually they're concentrated on the backcountry areas, and that was true in this case as well. But there were also some other areas too uh, within San Diego County, like, like along the coastal areas. For example, Encinitas, there were a lot of customers in Encinitas that lost power, also uh, in Rancho Bernardo up by I 15, uh, Escondido. So this was pretty widespread, 73,000 people. That's a pretty good number. Yeah, for sure. And uh, scg and &E was setting up some uh, stations where people could yeah. go and charge phones and different things, right? Yeah, that was called uh, Community Resource Centers, and they have 10 of them, and they've got 10 of them up and running right now. Those those are uh, available for people to go to. Now, because of COVID, they've, now they've had these community resource centers for about two or three years now, but because of COVID-19 protocols, instead of actually going into the centers, they're basically drive-through. But what you can do, if uh, if you're one of these people that's affected and you need some power, you can go there and get your cell phone charged. There's also some Wi-Fi hotspots there, so for people, so people can access that. Also, there's some snacks that are available, and also um, water. You can obtain some water, and also hand warmers and other um, cold weather items to kind of warm you up. And water is important too because. In the backcountry areas, uh, they really need water, not just for themselves, uh, because they're, uh, but because also because they have wells, and those wells run on electricity. And if you don't have electricity, you don't have water. So having water available in those resource centers is important. Yeah, that's. <laughs> 
what you need. Is electricity but how do they determine when to shut off the, the power? I know that this has been going on uh, for a few years now, ever mm-hmm. since. Um, well, what wasn't it? PG&E caught a lot of flack up north, right? And yeah, then they, yeah. just a standard practice to shut people's energy off when we have high winds and low humidity, right? Yeah, that's been a very yeah, that's been a very interesting story that I've been covering in California in the almost five years that I've been covering this stuff. Um, is that San Diego Gas and Electric? What they do is the reason why. Let me back up a little bit. The reason why they have these public safety power shutoffs (PSPS) is because they're concerned. The utilities are that in a high wind event and also when it's very dry, that the wind will knock down power lines, and the power lines could then fall to the ground uh, and ignite a wildfire during these wildfire situations. And that's exactly what happened back in 2006 when we had those really horrible witch, guajito, and rice fires in San Diego that killed 10 people and thousands of people had to flee their homes. So they don't want a repeat of that. So San Diego Gas and Electric, as well as the other investor-owned utilities like PG&E and Southern California Edison, they institute these power these PSPS, these shutoffs. And they do that as a preemptive measure because they don't want uh, their, their those power lines to ignite a fire. Now it's been controversial because as we mentioned before, um, if you live in the backcountry areas, you are really dependent on yeah. your electricity. Yeah. And it's not just for the, for the people who live there, but for people in rural areas, if you don't have well water, you can't water your horses. You can't have your livestock. Uh, drink water. So that's really important. So it's always been a little bit controversial. What's been a little bit in another layer of that controversy has been San Diego Gas and Electric actually has been a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more assertive in the last few years of instituting these shutoffs more than Southern California Edison and a lot more than PG&E. However, PG&E came under a lot of criticism a couple of years ago when they had those horrible fires up in the wine country. And it's it's an interesting situation. The utilities get blamed one way or the other, and I don't want to defend them one way or the other, but they get criticized if they don't do the public power, public safety power shutoffs, and they get criticized if they do. And, and PG&E was harshly criticized two years ago for not de-energizing the lines, as they call it, and that you know, that uh, helped um, or helped that led to a lot of terrible fires up in Northern California and in wine country and in in paradise. So since then, in those last two years, PG&E, which is the largest utility in all of California, they've been much more aggressive and they've been cutting power off much more in the sort of in the style of uh, SDG&E in the last, about the last year and a half or so. And what's the alternative? I'm sorry? What's the alternative to this? I know that some people have said, well, we should have more undergrounding. Yeah, well, you know, that, 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 that's a very good point. Um, the problem with undergrounding is it's expensive. It's about, I think it's just off the top of my head, I think it's about twice as expensive than uh, having uh, over uh, above ground lines. And also in SDG&E's defense, SDG&E actually has by percentage a larger percentage of underground lines than PG&E or Southern California Edison have done mm-hmm. in, uh, in the last few years. Um, and so, yeah, but that's, 
that can help solve the problem, but that's something that people are going to have to pay for. And talking about cost, and that's something that I try to bring up in a lot of my stories, is that you know there's no free lunch. Uh, right. SDG&E has done a better job, relatively speaking, than PG&E or Southern California Edison since 2006. When they since and the reason why is because it costs money. STG&E has spent $2 billion, and that comes from ratepayer dollars. They spent $2 billion to upgrade their fire systems by having meteorological teams, by having weather stations, having helicopters in the air, being able to lease these things and try to put out these fires as quickly as possible. That comes to $2 billion. Um, in the looking forward into the future, PG&E, which has a much larger service territory, and SDG&E and also Southern California Edison's service territory is larger. If they're going to be as aggressive, they're going to it's going to cost them money too, and that gets reflected into ratepayers' costs. So, like I said, there's no free lunch here. So, Sandy, SDG&E is kind of ahead of the game a little bit on this. Yeah, they and yeah, and that's you know, and you know, aside from you know the hype that you might get from SDG&E, that's something that. Um, that people, in energy people and wildfire people across the state pretty much tip their hat and say SDG&E has done that. But I'm quick to add that it comes at a price. They've spent $2 billion since 2006 to do this, and that and ratepayers pay for that. Right. Yeah, that was when in 2006 we had the, was that the witch fire? Witch, Wichito, and rice fires. Yeah, we've had, we had a bunch of, we, we haven't had really like, Right, fires down right. here in the last few years relative right. to the other parts of the yeah. state. I do know that those down power lines are a huge source of wildfire. They're a huge reason yeah. why wildfires start, right? Right, exactly. And that's what happened in 2006. And um, since then, the San Diego area has not had a devastating wildfire. But this year, it, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, this is December, Joshua. And right. normally wildfire season doesn't go into December, but things have been much, very dry in recent years. I think off the top of my head, seven of the 10 most devastating wildfires in California history have come in like the last 10 years. Yeah. So we've had an expanded wildfire season. And this reminds me very much of 2017 when we had the lilac fire. Um, and again, it was not devastating, but it was devastating for the people who were affected, especially in, I believe that was in North County and parts of the back country. And right. that happened real, really late in the year. That was also, that was December, December, 2017. And this, this fire season, because it was so hot and so dry this summer, it reminds me a lot of 2017. And it's not, to me, it's not that surprising that we're running into this here in December. I mean, it was this year. It was, yeah, really it, hot. Yeah. It was crazy hot this year. Yeah, it was very, very hot. And accompanying that was, even though we had a pretty wet spring, we mm -hmm. haven't had hardly any rain since I think, I think about April. Yeah, it's kind of wild that we're still in wildfire uh, territory right now, this late in the right. season. Yeah, when you talk to fire officials, Cal Fire officials, they've said this for about three years that pretty much, it's not an exaggeration to say that wildfire season pretty much runs the entire year. But this is a, sp a especially dangerous time with the Santa Ana winds coming through. Yes. The humidity is low and it's really, really dry and yeah. any, any little thing can happen. I believe, come to think of it, I think the lilac fire, they never really found a particular reason for that. But I think they 
generally associated that with maybe uh, a car um, maybe backfiring and that ignited it. So yeah, anything can happen when when it's this dry and, and there's that much tinder and that much fuel. Well, that's perfect. Let's leave it there. Thank you, Rob uh, Nikoleski, uh, energy reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune. Um, great to have you on. Thank you very much, Joshua. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.